Hello, this is Ethica America, where we check in and see how America is doing. We are your hosts, Aaron and... Shit, I forgot my line. It's you. Oh, okay. I'm Ryan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what do we got today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about the news. The news? Well, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the news. All you got to do is Google something and everything's right there. And there's nothing wrong with that information. You don't no. have to fact check it. Everything's correct. <laughs> Everything is uh, unbiased. And no one has any other alternative motives to giving us information about what's going on in the world. I mean, right. absolutely right. And that's that's why I uh, click on the first link always on Google. Always has sponsored next to it. Yeah. Which means that, you know, the information itself is is sponsored and nobody's sponsoring information is ever going to lead me down a rabbit hole that you know <laughs> exactly and uh it's not like we have to fact check those journalists because they're journalists and their their whole job is to give us accurate information that's unbiased whether they worked for um nbc news or msnbc or cnbc uh which are all owned by the same people comcast or whether you're looking at wall street journal or the new york post or fox news which are all owned by news corp and rupert murdoch which wait a second <laughs> see i get all my information from facebook so i don't even know these names that you're talking about oh well yeah. luckily uh facebook they get like 60% of their revenue from uh, right-wing supporters. Oh, really? Yeah, I huh. found that out from uh, a quick Google search, and I'm not going to fact-check that, but it's probably accurate. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. I mean, the last time I was on Facebook, I got an advertisement for uh, the benefits of drinking your own pee. So now I'm starting to do that, which is going to be in the next fad diet. Well, um, luckily yeah. we have... Uh, Lots of Facebook groups where all of them will tell you the correct way to live your life. And um, they're probably all definitely not snake oil salesmen. No, no. I mean, yeah. I don't really <laughs> drink my own pee, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I thought I vaguely remember something about drinking your OP and that's good for something. But uh, I mean, that probably was just from a Facebook group that I read. I mean, I used to be in nursing for like five years. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good about drinking your own <laughs> pee. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't well, feel like I needed to be a nurse to tell you that. So, I mean, it's like uh, it's like 90 percent water, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's the toxins that your body's trying to get rid of, the byproduct of certain reactions. It's mostly urea and like water and salt. Well, 90% of it's fine. And if okay. we're looking at our normal drinking water, I mean, our normal drinking water from the tap has like... Uh, uh, it's got fluoride! Yeah, those chemicals are in toothpaste. So I mean... Oh, man. Yeah, and I only... Uh, well, I'm not going to go into what I brush my teeth with. So, oh, okay. is it? It's probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Found it on a Facebook group. <laughs> so, uh, the news. All right. I, so, mean, I mean, I think. So, oh, good. All right. So, my issue with the news is uh, it's hard to find actual information that's unbiased, honestly. I mean, if you're. If you're just like doing a quick Google search, I mean, you're just going to read topics and then that's written by a journalist or it's written by someone that, you know, just was like, hey, paper, I have this cool article that I want to write about. And they're like, all right, here's a hundred bucks. Go promote it or let's right. just, you know, plant it into our site. And here we go. I mean, you I mean, know, I kind of I'll go ahead. I mean, you can't really like uh, I mean, you can fact check it, but like. The purpose of news is to actually just like get accurate information so you don't have to fact check it. I think we're at this point of our like news area is you have to kind of fact check everything. You have to kind of be your own journalist and you have to do those deep dives to find out whether or not the information that you're reading or listening to is actually correct. 
I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree. I kind of liken it to taking your car to a mechanic, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're taking your car to a mechanic, and they're a business that's looking to, you know, profit, which right. that makes sense. They're doing a service for you, you know, whatever. Um, but the thing is, the more they can profit off of you, the better. So if, let's say that you took your car in just to have the brake pads changed, and they're like, whoa, you need a complete transmission replacement. So that bill just went up from, we'll just say $200, right, Um, to about, I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars at that point. And if you had fact-checked it yourself, right, then you might have found out, oh, it's actually just that I was low on transmission fluid and I'm fine. Right. Knowledgeable and being, uh, how do I want to put it, Mm -hmm. being an advocate for yourself. Yeah. Whereas if you just blindly believe everything that you read, or here you're going to run into a lot of issues like <laughs> but i feel like at well, at some point in our history like that was the purpose of the news like it was there to kind of keep our i have a baby that's crying yeah they she's just upset because she found out that you shouldn't trust everything on facebook her whole world's blown right now i love when people are like i read this on facebook and i'm like oh boy well, yeah. did you fact check it? And that's like, that's like something that you shouldn't have to do. You should just, I, I mean, I know that it's something that you should do, but like, mm-hmm. it is the, at one point I feel like it was something that we didn't have to do. We didn't have to go fact check what we're hearing about the news because that's what the news was there for. It was there to kind of keep our politicians in check and be like, when, when they say something, the news goes, wait a second that's not well, true. you said this and this and you're now being a hypocrite and that does still happen but there's also like that's like five percent i don't know that actual five percent but there's just like a, a small percentage of that's what the news is actually there for and it's do fact check what people in power are saying or doing and going hey this is actually what they're doing but you also hear people on like Reddit forums doing the same thing of like, hey, they uh, they actually did this and they said this. And yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, but that's not the only reason that the news exists. I mean, if you just found out like that, let's say you're from a small village in. I don't even know where in this imaginary country um, mm-hmm. and there's a mil- a village five miles away. There's no. Uh, you got horses, but there's no cars or anything like that. You're basically just Amish. Um, so like somebody from a neighboring village has traveled, well, let's say they're 50 miles away, but somebody from a neighboring village, they've traveled all day, uh, to get to that village. I mean, if there was a threat there, you'd like to know that if like, you know, the crops are all dying out there, Mm -hmm. you might want to like figure out, okay, was this a, is this a plague? Is this going to affect us? I mean, Part of it's just being nosy, and part of that nosiness is really just kind of looking out for your own society or, or yourself in that instance. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, there there are different parts of news. There are, like, informational things that are going on, like the weather. Like, you go into the news and you check out the weather. What's the weather going to be like? Or mm-hmm. um, what happened? I mean, now you can just pop on any news station and you can just read about the latest school shooting, and that's nice. <laughs> it's nice to just... <laughs> have that information or mall shooting or I mean, basically any big shooting. I mean, most of the news co- coverage or news stations will just give you all the information. And in most cases, it's just, here's a bunch of facts about it. And then when they run out of facts, then they kind of impose their own opinion. Uh, yeah. They invoke, impose their own opinion on it. And that's, I guess what I have an issue with is, now we have too many opinions. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and opinions, I'd agree. Those opinions they don't... <laughs> build Sorry. mountains out of molehills, or what's that What's that phrase? <laughs> mountains out of molehills, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it. and they tend to polarize each other mm-hmm. or, or be polarizing towards each other, I should say. So what you hear, if you were to hear two entirely different, or sorry, the same story, one yeah. told by Fox, right mm-hmm. and then another one told by cnn you might not even realize anymore that you're hearing the same story right you know what i'm saying like with the amount of skew and bias that they put on everything like let's take your school shooting example 
Fox News might be talking about making bulletproof backpacks mandatory for your kids, mm -hmm. right? But you pop over to CNN and they're talking about banning weapons, right? right yeah, but that's that's kind of where uh, that line is drawn, or where the difference is, is they're they're going to have different solutions for it. Or Fox News will say we need to arm the teachers, and then CNN will go, "Well, we need to ban, yeah, we need to ban assault rifles, or." We need to get those reg flag laws back into place, or we need to go back to what 2008 when the, we did have an AR ban. Yeah, I think it was. Yes. I mean, that might have been around 2008. I don't forget what year it was, but uh, I mean, we could pop in the time machine from the first episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could, <laughs> but we probably save that for, for later because I don't remember the sound effect of the time machine. Uh, but the you know the time machine makes i think it was a ding ding was it oh yeah it was a ding and then i was thinking of the spongebob square pants little little yeah 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 uh, that kind of yeah. also reminds me of the minions too oh yeah i could see that yeah. so but the minions are much smarter than spongebob and patrick so probably yeah so that's well, he went to college oh yeah he majored in clarinet he's really living his life <laughs> he did yeah but so in historic terms, the news wasn't always like that, though. Mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, the news was largely spread by word of mouth for most of human existence. And it'd be weird, like, let's say that you were a farmer just outside the city and you saw a traveler going past, right? Mm -hmm. It might be of the utmost importance that you talk to that traveler and ask him, hey, like, uh, what's going on in that colony over there? Because we see a lot of smoke mm -hmm. and we don't like that. It kind of makes sense that I don't want to put it that news would be so important to a group if you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's be honest for a second, like literacy rates, they weren't always so great. Like the average literacy of a new Englander in like the mid 17th century was about 60%, which is a lot higher than I thought that it would be by the way. So <laughs> it does seem kind of high actually. Right. Well, I'll get to something else in a second, but uh -oh. it, it rose to about 75% in the late 18th century. Now, like I said, I was always taught that that literacy rate was much lower, mm -hmm. but we do have to consider the source here. And uh, do you have any idea what the biggest demographic audience was that would have been polled at this time? Um, was it um, rich and um, educated? <laughs> Um, I was just going to say white males. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. guess like they only uh, interviewed people that were educated. So, of course, that they're going to only talk to people that know how to, that are literate because they're only talking to people that are educated. Wouldn't it be really funny if that was the case and it was still only 60%? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be funny. So. Yeah. So anyhow, we're talking about white males for the most part. So, I mean, I could provide so many examples about the sort of misogyny and racism throughout history, but for today, we're just going to try to focus on the news. So, um, so re for reference, even though word of mouth was the predominant way of spreading news, that's not to say that the news was unimportant. On the contrary, the news was still very important. Like we established earlier, it informed villagers of when soldiers were coming. It could be relevant for everything from crop growth to the collapse of other civilizations. But in order to talk about modern news, we have to take it a step back and talk about the root of what made mass media possible. That would be the printing press. And the invention of the printing press made it possible to passively communicate the ongoings of the world with each other. While... I never know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I think it's Johann Gutenberg, but it's spelled Johannes. So I always get confused whether it's Johannes or Johann, but I'm going to go with Johann for the rest of this uh, podcast. It sounds so, German. I don't, I didn't actually even look up where he was from. I thought it was like Denmark or Sweden. Uh, it very well could German. be. Gutenberg uh, does sound like a, like Johann. a, I should just Google it. Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Gutenberg. Oh, he was German. You were on. Oh, point. man. Yeah. <clears throat> Look at you go living your best life. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. I guessed that. <laughs> Maybe a name like Gutenberg or, <laughs> jo or Johannes or Johan. I, I don't know. But anyhow, so Johannes uh, Gutenberg, while he's credited with creating 
uh, the printing press in 1455, he really wasn't the first person to create a printing press. So China had actually started employing the idea of using wood blocks that they would carve out the letters for and kind of roll it over paper mm-hmm. or have paper rolled over it and uh, further refined it to a movable type of printing press uh, in about 11th century, probably. And maybe this invention wasn't as good as Johann Gutenberg's printing press, but the idea that I wanted to bring home is that printing has been around for much longer than you think. But the first true newspaper was a weekly newspaper out of Strasbourg, Germany, in 1605 called Relation. Um, oh, sorry. It's called Relation aller I, I I can't pronounce that. But it's, it's commonly just referred to. Word. Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm not fluent in German at all. <laughs> so I'm going to butcher a ton of things this time around. That's okay. Um, but it's just commonly referred to as the Relation or Relation. Um, in English, it translates to the collection of all distinguished and memorable news, which fancy for him for having all the distinguished and memorable news. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, Facebook has all that now. So, And Jeff Bezos has that now since he owns, what's he own? Washington Post. Yeah, he owns Washington Post. He also owns another one or two. Maybe it's Amazon that owns them, but Washington Post is kind of his baby, which makes sense. I mean, you know, Seattle, Amazon. Mm-hmm. I wonder uh, how he feels about unions in his um, newspapers. I'm sure he loves them. Yeah, he's probably so. pretty pro-union. Yeah, yeah. And he would never hire AI to do uh, the writing for him. Though AI might actually be more accurate than... It, pro- it probably would be. He'd probably be like, <laughs> uh, I don't like this AI. I'm going to program it to be a little bit different. Alexa, read me the news. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that news. The other news. The one that I wrote. Yes. The good news. <laughs> the news so, that tells me I'm great. Right. <laughs> so originally this, uh, we'll just call it the relation from here on out. But originally the relation is... Um, Son of a bitch. Hold on. I got to turn my Amazon Echo off. It just popped on the news. Uh-oh. <laughs> but anyhow, so originally in the relation, um, these were handwritten articles that were written and delivered by one dude. So you can imagine like uh, how much work was involved, I guess right. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the uh, conductors back in the day where they had to like handwrite all these... Oh my god why am i blanking on the word composers writing all of their pieces <laughs> like just handwriting like furry leaves or something like that it's just crazy oh, to me yeah but then yeah. like writing the same thing for all the parts of the orchestra yeah i mean that seems like a lot more fun to me though but I don't know. It it seems exhausting simultaneously. But at least, like, once it's written for them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he's just done. Right. You know, he doesn't have to keep doing this day after. No. Excuse me. Yeah, Yeah, he doesn't have to keep doing this day after day after day. But our our dude who... I don't even remember what the guy's name was. But, um, But this dude was handwriting these articles and delivering them, right? Um, but he was delivering them mostly to the wealthy in the area at that time. Um, so he might only have to write it. And it's not like a full newspaper either. It's just like front back, maybe four pages in total or something like that. So it's not like he was writing everything from obituaries to classified ads. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's just one dude writing like four pages times a hundred for a hundred different people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a yeah. Lot. And he might. I mean, I, I didn't look into how often this periodical came out or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it might have been like once a week that it was delivered or something like that. I mean, it was brand, it was a brand new idea, you know. I mean, other people obviously came out with books and stuff like that. But like, you know, to continually sell somebody on stuff that you're writing, you know, that's, right. that's a brand new idea for this time. And that's, a, that's um, like a full-time job, writing like 400 pages a week. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even look into like how long he did this for either. 
So like, um, I know like eventually after something like four years, he bought a printing press, which <laughs> <laughs> I would have bought it much later. But then again, who knows I mean, how it, much they were. Costing. I mean, it had only came out like maybe 150 years prior to that. So, I mean, we're talking 1455 or 1605. So like 160 years. I mean, first you'd have to, you know, figure out where to buy a printing press. I doubt that there's any place that's just like printing presses RS or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's probably a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Is Walmart still called Walmart in Germany? Probably. I mean, it'd be consistent with their brand. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyhow, so one of the first issues was about the financial difficulties the government was facing, right? Mm. And less and uh, less than two days later, it was decided by quote unquote unknown sources, though almost definitively, by the way, it's the government, um, that the newspaper needed to be more careful before publishing anything critical about the government. <laughs> oh, well, luckily that's all changed now. And oh, also, yeah, yeah. the government knows exactly how to handle its finances. That's an excellent point, right? <laughs> and like his solution to all this, by the way, wasn't to come up with like some sort of censorship board or anything like that. His solution was, well, I guess I'll just censor it myself. Yeah. So we're adding on to his uh, list of responsibilities at his weekly paper or whatever it is. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. But uh, so funnily, this is like the first form of government censorship within, you know, well, I shouldn't say within written media, but the first form of censorship of what we could consider a newspaper, mm-hmm. right, happened after the first issue came out <laughs> within like two days of it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, I seem to remember us doing an episode where we lightly discussed government censorship. Yeah. And we yeah. found out that <laughs> printing labels are okay, but government yeah, yeah. censorship yeah, we is should've... not. So yeah, luckily this is a parental advice. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily <laughs> this is just... over in Germany. So yeah. Yeah. So, and they're super lighthearted over in Germany. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that particular episode, make sure to check out our uh, other podcast episodes. Plug here. Oh yeah. So I want to listen yeah. to uh, our last episode about. Censorship. Parental. Parental advisor. Yeah. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did a thing. So while the news might have started off small, I think we can both agree that it evolved in a, a pretty major way since then. Um, Meh, nah, I think it's news is still pretty, uh, no one really pays attention to it, and uh, it's pretty small still. I don't know. I mean, I'm always looking for my latest celebrity gossip. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. a news thing, I guess. Yeah, Us Weekly, yeah. You know that those villagers who were like 50 miles apart who saw The Traveler, they were like, have you heard or seen from the Britney Spears, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, But no longer from this point did we really have to deal with handwritten newspapers because times were changing from the technical, business, political, and cultural standpoints. So more people could read. Newspapers became cheaper cheaper to print and thus more affordable and life was just amazing except for you know the dysentery oh yeah but yeah they don't know about That'll, that yet it would come in the news no. later. yeah that's a good point <laughs> once they play the oregon trail is all they're going to be thinking about though <laughs> oh, i died so much from dysentery it's always dysentery you know my issue was i really liked shooting the buffaloes but then i couldn't hold all that buffalo meat Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, like, I just imagine, like, this family of four, right? Three of them have died. So it's just this one guy, and he's just sleeping on piles of buffalo meat. <laughs> 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 Whatever, though. Um, so he, anyhow. You um, can only hold so okay. many axles. Oh, yeah. God, and the axles always broke. Yeah. Even on easy mode. Right. I don't know if there was an easy mode. I, I think there know. were modes in that game. I don't think I ever made it there, though. Mm-hmm. I bought the card game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as good. It was actually just kind of boring. It's like, oh, okay, this seems familiar. It feels familiar. Um, but just not 
really as friendly as you'd hope. I wonder if there's an app game for it. I'm sure there is. I mean, it sounds so. like the perfect idol game where you're just like, oh, I had to just make it to Oregon on the Oregon Trail. God, I'd like to recreate this game, but in modern times. So you have to make it from here to Oregon, right? Um, and you only have a car with that'll get you 50 miles with gas and no money in your bank account. Huh. It's yeah, too you real. Can do side, yeah, you can do side jobs on the way, or you can risk hopping on a train and meeting other hobos. <laughs> yeah, or you can uh, risk hitchhiking. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, yeah. and then you, and have you to... always end up... Oh, good. And then you have the hitchhiking serial killers that uh, go after hitchhikers. But oh, that was more fair. from, like, the 70s, so... Yeah, yeah, they're probably fine now. I mean, but instead of dysentery, it's replaced with COVID constantly. Mm. <laughs> so you're just always dying of COVID. Or you're just probably getting too real. murdered or... Oh, man. Or maybe you just uh, find a new life in Chicago. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you just give up. And once you hit Chicago, you're like, man, I made it from Maine to Chicago. I am the shit. It's good enough. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, newspapers had gained traction and slowly and steadily became more popular. Um, as an example, in Europe in the 1870s, there were about 6,000 newspapers, and that number that number doubled to about 1,900 by the end of the century. Um, now, at this point, I think it's important that we talk a little bit about propaganda. So propaganda isn't exactly a new concept. It said that the first recorded attempt at propaganda existed as early as like 515 BC, and multiple accounts of it have been recorded all through history. But the invention of Johann Gutenberg's printing press around 1436 really gave propaganda a new platform to thrive on. So as an example, as an example, the Roman Emperor Maximilian I, who ruled Rome from like 1486 to like 1519 he built up like this incredible postal system and then utilized the printing press in order to create more positive uh like pr for himself it was like his entire point of building up this incredible postal system was to you know just for pr management it's like (laughs) could you imagine it's like i mean we have uh learned throughout history that propaganda is basically the how everything runs with good propaganda you're just you're doing you're just do great you're doing god's work really. yeah yeah and then you just um if you hear bad news about yourself then you just throw out more information and more propaganda to kind of hopefully drown out that that voice and that's yeah that's just how life is i'm glad that yeah. we fixed that now we no longer have that yeah yeah i mean gone are the days where you would light somebody on fire for speaking bad about you you know yep. yeah at least that's not actually <laughs> yeah so is the tarring and feathering yeah so hopefully yeah. yeah i'm sure that's still happening somewhere i want to see somebody be tarred and feathered so i should probably google that at some point there used to be a cooler punishment for like kings where uh instead of being tarred and feathered, gold their gold would be melted down and then they would uh they would have to pour it into their mouth and it was like Ooh. that was how they, they got killed was <laughs> their own yeah, wealth a... being poured God. down their gullet. It brings a whole new meaning to blood money, by the way. Oh, does it? No, it's probably the same meaning. Maybe uh liquid molten gold tastes good and it doesn't kill you really just cleans the bowels out (laughs) if you know what i mean (laughs) i like that punishment i think uh we should just bring that back if you uh if you do something bad and you're rich boom your money is now turned into gold and it's liquid down and you got the you get to swallow it i mean personally i like the idea of using pennies that are melted down instead but Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and then at the, yeah, and then at the end, like they one penny is put between their fingers and their hand is cast in gold. That way, they can forever be known as a penny pincher. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'm good at torture. 
So as the newspaper industry began to grow and thrive in like the 18th and 19th century in America, propaganda also began to evolve. So prior to the Civil War, abolitionists began creating their own periodicals to promote a society without slavery. Uh, an example of this is known as like the Freedom's Journal. Um, but it didn't take long for the pro-slavery side to take notice and begin doing the same. And my favorite example of this is something called the Ostend Circular, which is like a periodical that came out, right? Mm -hmm. um, in it, the author took issue with the Missouri Compromise, which was, uh, it, it basically just took slaves in the South away, um, as in you couldn't you know, have slaves in the South anymore. And his solution was to invade Cuba and make it a slave state, so that way they could still have slaves. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Nice. I mean, to me, it's just so wild that, like, these guys, they couldn't picture a life without slaves, so their solution was fine. We'll just go take over Cuba and make them our slaves. I wonder you, how that works. You see what I'm them. saying? Yeah. I mean, like, Cuba's still its own country, so I don't think oh. it worked very well. Yeah, it probably didn't work yeah. out very well. No. But during this time, propaganda really began to become, like, a pretty refined process, and slowly it began to change the way advertising, marketing, and public relations were handled. Um, which like advertising and marketing, right? That's mm -hmm. just wild. And that just kind of deserves its own episode at some, at some point. So probably that really probably took just it deserves its own four hours of talking about, but oh yeah, probably longer, man. Like we could probably just do an entire episode on propaganda yeah. or sorry, an entire podcast on propaganda. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so at the end of uh, the 19th century, there were two pretty influential books about propaganda that came out, which really influenced the writings of Sigmund Freud and Adolf Hitler. Um, so there was this book called Laws of Imitation by, uh, I think it's Gabriel Tardy. Um, Freud really liked that one. And The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind by Gustav Le Bon. Um, Hitler's Mein Kampf was really, really heavily heavily influenced by this book called The Crowd. Um, so to give you a, a little bit of perspective, in the late 19th and earliest, or early 20th century, newer forms of media began to crop up in Europe and, and over in America too. But um, the transatlantic cable, which was responsible for overseas telegraph communication, it evolved into like more cables of better quality being strung across the ocean and not just from America to England, but also to Germany and, you know, just all over the place, all these underwater cables, right? Mm -hmm. um, the invention of moving picture films had been a thing since like 1895, I think. And movie theaters had started popping up. Um, there were these, <laughs> I had never heard of this before, but there were these telephone services, uh, one of them that was in the UK is called Electrophone, right? Mm -hmm. And it provided users with a special headset and it would allow them to dial in using a special code to gain access to the news, live theater, music, stories, and religious readings, right? Kind so it's kind of like the, yeah, it was kind of like the radio before the radio, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Um, but in 1905 and 1906, Europe started experimenting with radio for both military use as well as for broadcasting. And a lot of innovations in these broadcasting technology were coming out and they were coming out fast. And while that was changing, World War I was, you know, right around the corner, right? So the so Germany got really into a lot of these newer broadcasting technologies. They had their own transatlantic cables. I mean, most countries that, you know, had any waterway, they, they did. Um, they built one of the world's first radio transmitters. Actually, it's the longest operating radio transmitter in the world or radio transmitting station. I guess I don't know the specifics of that, but it's been around since like 1906. Um, Germany also had a thriving film industry. And during all this, they created, uh, I'm never going to be able to pronounce this right, but Aus Wartage's Amt. <laughs> I... I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm sure I butchered that name, but essentially it was a federal foreign office responsible for the country's foreign policies and its relationship with foreign countries, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually it gained the responsibility for spreading the good word about Germany and creating positive public relations, right? Between, yeah. You know, and that's Germany. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. No. But 
time goes on and Germany enters world war enters the uh sorry time goes on and Germany enters that world war one chat and some of the responsibility of Germany's federal foreign office shifts rather rapidly towards convincing other nations to either side with Germany in the war or at least to maintain a neutral stance on the war in in some instances um that doesn't seem good final, no, that that really doesn't. And I'm, I'm going to go into some examples here, um, here in a minute. But uh, funnily enough, though, England figured this out like quick, right? Like they were just on it. And one of their first major actions in the war was to sever Germany's underwater telegram communications <laughs> cables. So that way they couldn't speak outside the country. Oh, that seems like <laughs> a good like, idea. Well, it seems like they were trying to broadcast out to the U.S. and Britain's like, nope, fuck you. And they just took an axe right to that cable. Like, what you going to do about it now, bitch? <laughs> like, That's one I way to do it. La- I just kept laughing about it the entire time because I'm like, man, that's kind of smart, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it had only been like established maybe 70 years prior was the first one. And they had just recently done a bunch of work on it in the past 20 or 30 years. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense that first thing you want to do is blind your enemy's communications, I guess. But, um, but I don't want to linger on this too long. I want to get back to the news eventually, but I do want to point out some of these methods this office took in spreading propaganda Mm -hmm. and what messages they were trying to spread. Right. Right. So the Germans had their overseas telecommunications cable cut and they relied pretty heavily on their radio tower to get the word out in the interim. Um, In addition to this, they set up mobile cinemas for the troops uh, that would portray the news and films with a, pretty heavy pro-german slant if you know what i'm saying right um and here's the really interesting one they'd go in they'd occupy these territories right and then they'd create or take over newspaper companies um just a way they could get the good word out about germany so like i see no problem with the news right now actually (laughs) like everything is going to way better than this right yeah i mean (sighs) government controlled and army controlled news media that they're taking over (laughs) it probably has no um it's probably still unbiased and it's probably still for the people (laughs) definitely for the people yeah (laughs) um so the biggest opposition to these news campaigns were the british like far and large, right? Um, And they went through the process of dissecting these newspapers and these radio transmissions and noticed some really common trends, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one is that uh, they would often proclaim that Germany was certainly going to take names and kick ass. A German victory was going to be certain. And like, there was no stopping it, right? Like this was already a thing. Like, you you might be fighting us, but we've already won. So you might as well just give up, right? So that was the first one. The second one, they explained how Germany was really given no choice in entering this war. Really, Germany was the victim here and fighting a war of defense. So that's that's number two. The number, the third one, um, the enemy had some unethical ideologies and terrible plans in mind for the german people including a starvation plan for the german civilians use of dumb dumb bullets against german soldiers which were declared illegal for use in war right mm. and i had to look up what those were right yeah because i was like dumb dumb bullets what the fuck's this right um but uh it, i guess it sounds I guess like a bullet... a, it sounds like dumb dumb bullets might be like a weapons of meth destruction and oh. they they have to go over there to prevent weapons of mass destruction. Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but you were close. Uh, they're a bullet that expands when they impact, mm-hmm. right? And they were deemed unethical by Germany like years prior um, for everything except for like hunting because those bullets dealt some pretty excessive and inhumane wounds right so like you know somebody would get shot right the bullet wouldn't go through it would get lodged in like their liver or something mm-hmm. like that and as it got lodged there it would rip a giant hole in it yeah. right and who's using these dumb, dumb bullets um i whoever the enemy is so okay. in some instances it's belgium some instances so, it's france so germany is saying we need to go over to this place because they're using these weapons that we deem bad oh and so now this this goes fight them um, they're, they're saying that, um, that really they're being treated inhumane in the war 
Oh. Um, because like the, all the other countries, they just want to team up on Germany and hurt us. Mm -hmm. Like they, they just want to, they want to starve all the Germans. Oh, right. Okay. And that's okay. not okay. Yeah. And, and they're using these bullets on us and that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? I see now? that. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's good propaganda. Yeah. So that's, that's number three. I was trying to relate that propaganda to, uh, the Bush administration where they're saying that we need to go evade. Uh, because of weapons of mass destruction. Oh, we're gonna get there. Too. Oh, okay. don't you worry, oh, Pony good. Boy. Yeah. Man, yeah, but, I was just trying yeah. to go like uh, learn from history and then uh, <laughs> do the same thing. Oh, we're gonna get there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it was kind of like that. But I mean, they weren't using it as a reason to expand as much as they were like, well, we have to keep fighting this war because otherwise they're going to kill us all. So we, we're really left with no choice again. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. That's effective but, propaganda yeah. still. Yeah. Um, they probably got a bunch of uh, people to enlist into the war too. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, World War One was huge. So yeah. I mean, I don't know if they had any sort of... Um, draft or anything like that yeah but i mean a lot of these things it wasn't just propaganda against like outsiders or um or well it wasn't just propaganda for the outsiders a lot of this was propaganda for the people who are already you know there the german citizens um yeah you know, so it's it, it just all over the place and they probably use like uh, a pro-war propaganda to glorify war and to get people to enlist also i know that was used in world war ii and to kind of like uh be a war hero like uh the world war one people and then people be like me i want to be a war hero and then they enlist in world war ii and then they get shot down by a machine gun i mean nationalism is a big a big part of that you're absolutely right which actually leads me into number four so they would gloat about Germany's historic mission to promote the highest cultural standards, which would lead to the finest example of civilization that the world has ever seen, thus celebrating the slogan, sorry, slogan, work, order, duty, um, as compared to the enemy's liberty, equality, and fraternity. Um, so that sort of nationalism there that, oh, we're just bringing culture into this. That's really what we're doing. We're, we're giving higher standards to the world. Uh, number five, Germany was not only going to win the war, but their victory would benefit all of mankind, allowing these poor souls fighting against them to be liberated and also freeing the seas for all nations. Germany sounds great, right? It, it does. Um, yeah. I want to be a, a German citizen now during World War One. Just wait until you hear this. Number six, Germany needed land to expand since they were so awesome. Oh. <laughs> they planned on using this land and their surplus population to increase talent, organizing ability, financial capital, and manufacturing output in all these poor areas. That's much different than uh, these people are using these big bullets and harming us. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I mean... So in in uh, their defense, I'm kind of exaggerating this a hair, but I'm doing it for the sake of comedy as opposed to like, you know, mm -hmm. anything else. Um, but I mean, when I was reading it, this was just all that could go through my mind was Germany is awesome. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> okay, Arnold, you came from Austria, but whatever. Um, but uh, so the, the last one, by the way, uh, raw materials were being controlled by Britain and France, and it's unethical for them to hoard wealth and materials like that mm -hmm. as a result freeing those materials is going to help everybody including germany oh so, that makes sense yeah i mean you can't have one yeah. nation hoarding everything and then uh monopolizing on that and then inflating the price <laughs> and then charging everyone else a buttload of money for oil i mean raw materials yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, just a hypothetical question here that I have written down. <laughs> Thinking of the news today, does anything about any of these strategies or content sound as such familiar at all? Um, <laughs> let's see. No, I mean, it sounds like we don't do any of that oh. stuff nowadays. And we definitely don't go to like, <laughs> we definitely don't hear in the news that uh, uh, yeah. we need to kind of do anything bad to other countries to get raw materials right yeah yeah we've we've never partaken in anything like that right yeah um, and other countries don't yeah. do that either they don't like uh uh like like for example europe won't go to um 
Africa and let's say they start like a, a rubber factory and then enslave like a bunch of people to uh, kind of, you know, harvest all this all this material to make rubber for pennies. Get... For oh, they're paying them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're paying rubber they're, Yeah, they're paying they're they're paying the people pennies or maybe not even paying them. They might just be yeah. threatening them to like uh, cutting off their hands or something, and then uh, just forcing them. Yeah, that doesn't happen, and then we don't have issues with like, uh, um, yeah, we don't have that issue actually. Um, this has yeah. probably all been fixed. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, and so back to what you were saying a minute ago. So mm-hmm. like what the Germans would tell each country or their citizens, it kind of varied. They'd usually tell like all their citizens, this type of propaganda. Right. Right. But like if they occupied a territory, they might just, you know, leave some of it out because it might be a little bit too much for them. Yeah. People Um, might be like, wait, you're doing what for what? Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Wait, is it worth it? What do you mean that like, you need land to expand Germany. You step back. This is my land, my farm, my pigs. I mean, luckily, like, um, the Ukraine war isn't going on anymore where Russia wanted to uh, get that Ukrainian land for um, uh, to harvest yeah, more, more land or something yeah, like that. There, there was grain, and then they actually had a port there that's pretty important mm. for uh, trading. And the nuclear power plant that I mean, they could build their own nuclear power plant. Don't get me wrong, but like to have control over Chernobyl like that, that would, you know, yeah. it, it just makes people uneasy. Right. I mean, so, I, I vaguely remember or hearing, well, this might just be more propaganda where Russia wanted to occupy Ukraine because they had better land and they wanted to use that land for food. Yeah. I mean, see, we, we don't really have a way of fact checking that because I mean, we're obviously not part of Russian intelligence. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know anybody who works in Russian intelligence and I wouldn't trust them necessarily to tell me the truth if they did work in intelligence. Right. And then we heard, uh, I don't know, this past, old, I don't know, the, the election before this where uh, Russia was infiltrated our news outlets and then giving propaganda about everything. So, yeah, I mean, they were trying to influence the election in one way or another. And I mean, that's not the only way that they did that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But like, it, it is a good point, though. I mean, like, that's that's kind of a first, really. Yeah, we, we don't know so. what propaganda is true and what actually is yeah. going. And we don't even know what. Uh, we don't know what is propaganda and what is news. <laughs> right. Unless yeah. you do your own fact checking yeah. in journalism, which is kind of like, then, like the whole point of this, gist of this. Yeah, the whole yeah. gist of this is yeah. like what what can we trust and how do we get accurate information? You need to check your sources. You ever hear that? Because I hear that like every other week that I need to check my sources, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, I've checked my sources. I didn't check Newsmax, but <laughs> I checked my sources. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I mean, the the Washington's Post, even though it is owned by Amazon, it's it's supposed to be uh, it, it has this longstanding reputation of being independent and impartial journalism. And it's supposed to operate independently of Amazon's business interests. And I have no idea if that's true. It's kind of hard to believe that the Washington Post would be impartial and not have any conflict of interest to seen as how it's well, owned by, you know, Bezos and Amazon, but I mean, maybe right. yeah. maybe it is. Maybe there are good journalists on the Washington Post that are doing unbiased and accurate fair journalism. reporting. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and that that very well could be the case. I mean, but it, it also has it, this like so. There's this thing in skepticism, or this like uh, idea and theory of knowledge and skepticism, where uh, there's a this infinite regress of knowledge and when you hear about one source and then you're finding that that source is coming from another source and that source is coming from another source but like that original source we don't know if that original source was accurate or not this usually happens with books like uh let's say like an historian said this and then all these all the books coming after that 
going off that original person, we don't know if that original person's right or wrong. So we don't know if this knowledge is actually correct or not. So if we can't prove the original person is uh, accurate, then we can't know that we actually have knowledge. So it's this weird paradox of infinite regress of like, we actually don't have real knowledge of anything. It's a giant game of telephone yeah. where you can't really identify the real source of it. And for all you know, it was some guy, we'll just call him the village idiot. Yeah. And we'll name him Tom because fuck Tom. He was my friend on MySpace and <laughs> fuck Tom. That's, that's where the, everybody's he, telephone you know, game Tom originates was a great, is Tom. Tom was a great billionaire. I mean, he made MySpace. He collected his billions. And then he just like went off and just faded, did whatever he wanted to do. And like so far away, I haven't heard anything that Tom's done no. bad with. He's just been, you know, he did a good job. He's just chilling. Mark Zuckerberg told me that like he's a bad person uh, and I trust everything that I read on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I wonder how the metaverse is doing. I don't know. Didn't Mark Zuckerberg try that at one point, though, where he was everybody's friend and then like eventually he just kind of faded off? Maybe I'm just imagining that. <laughs> I have though. no idea. I really think that he was. So I mean, it was either that or I friended Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook and then eventually I, I don't remember. But it's hard it's to probably a fake account. It's hard to be friends with an AI, though. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could snap. They don't have emotion either, uh, apparently. Oh, well, that's weird. I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, maybe it's for the better. Maybe. So anyhow, so <laughs> Germany did a they did a damn good job with their propaganda, believe it or mm -hmm. not. Like they got a lot of people on board, right? But the British did just like they, what the Germans did, they just did like 10 times better. Um because they did like just a crazy good job of gathering intelligence and kind of like saying Okay, well, we realize that your propaganda tends to fall into one of these seven categories. So we're just going to make claims that kind of dispute these. <laughs> so, so Britain did have a little bit of what I'll refer to as a propaganda department in place prior to the war, right? But once they realized what Germany was doing, they really bamped up their efforts significantly, right? So within about a month of Britain, Britain entering the colloquial World War I chat, they created their own war propaganda bureau. So um, like one of the first things they did was they got a bunch of famous authors involved to write books, film scripts, and articles for the news, right? And they targeted this material largely at major influencers of the time, okay? So like journalists, um, other writers, directors, that sort of thing, right? In hopes that they then relay the message to their own audience, right? So... Just like Germany, they intended to get the message out, not just to their own people, but other countries as well. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. To yeah. battle propaganda with other propaganda. Right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, they're just like, yeah, but I kind of like the British way of doing it because you'll find out eventually they're just like, I don't care what you said. Fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Perfect. Kind of, yeah. So um, one of the big things that they do is they'd often use these uh, quote unquote atrocity stories to really get people disgusted in Germany's behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Germany did some fucked up things when they invaded Belgium during the war. But the reality is that Britain really exaggerated what the German army was doing. Um, so they'd spread rumors of babies on bayonets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, where a German soldier would throw a baby in the air and the Germans would spear it with their bayonet on their rifle as if it was some sort of game, right? Oh, did that yeah. not happen? Um, I mean, it might have in some minute cases, but like, not really. <laughs> it's pretty much just a flat out lie. Like, I'm sure that there's some fucked up German soldier in World War One who did some really stupid shit, but I'm like, sure it happened at I, some point. But I mean, it might have even just been a British army guy like being like, whoa, what of our guys did that? That's kind of fucked. We'll just say it yeah. was the Germans. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so, Who knows? um, yeah, they'd also talk about how the German soldiers were going around forcing nuns to strip naked and raping them. Right. Like mm -hmm. the list just kind of goes on and on, but it really got a lot of people reacting to it. Yeah. Which is 
I mean, it's really not so different than so much different than like clickbait nowadays, right? Yeah, like, you I, see I mean, it baby, sounds exactly like clickbait. You see the words "babies on bayonets" on a, a headline for a newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, "Oh shit!" Like I gotta figure out what the hell this is about. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? And it also had cartoons that were appearing in media um, of german soldiers with a bayonet right like almost like a political cartoon sort of thing but it really got people riled up and drove the drove the point home yeah um right now i usually can um right now i consider modern news right now as clickbait like that's what i kind of uh compare it to is uh, our modern news channels and stations and articles it's just clickbait you just they just want as many people looking at it as they can so they can monetize well, I mean, think, on something think about commercial breaks right like yeah you, you you have a story right and then you're like up next babies on bayonets stay tuned <laughs> after the commercial break to find out more you know what yeah. i mean like that's, that's gonna a great make clickbait. you that would be a great clickbait right <laughs> so mm-hmm. like I mean, honestly, like it's, it, it's not such a different tactic than what the media is using now. That's just it was used in a slightly different style, if you understand what I'm saying. Right. Because right? you read about it, you're going to tell your friends about it. Right. And then mm-hmm. you're going to be like, well, I don't know if it's true or not, but it yeah. really got people like real livid with Germany. Like, it's yeah. a great way to do propaganda is just lie about like what was happening. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And you might not even stay up for like the news article when you're just like, oh, okay, stay tuned for the news article about babies on bayonets. And then you're like, oh man, that's awful. And then you don't watch it. And then you just yeah. go into the newsroom the next day at work. And you're like, man, did you hear about the ba- babies on bayonets? And they didn't watch it either. Right, so they're right, like, right. oh man, that's awful. And then that's it. And then that just spreads the word. I mean, I, I forget who said it, but like a fake news story on social media spreads six times faster than an actual verified news story. I believe it. So like, I mean, and this is exactly how this is exactly yep. how. So, um, so anyhow, so the U S entered the same world war one chat room officially mm-hmm. in 1917, but years before that, the U S realized how successful this form of news had been in Europe and created their own propaganda department, which formally evolved to the Committee on Public Information, um, acronym of CPI. You can Google around for it if you want. Um, but they they came up with that uh, committee right around the time that uh, the U.S. entered, entered the war. Um, so largely they use this to get the enlistment numbers up as well as for uh war bond sales which that makes sense war is expensive so you know yeah it's a little bit now and you know we'll pay you more later um, war is expensive i hear it's profitable too for some people for some people but only if you get those raw materials like oil i mean um oh also you if know. you're selling the war people guns you're probably making a butt ton of money oh that's fair yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can I can sell them pipe bombs. Nine out of ten will go off. Arms dealership. That, I mean, that just sounds like a great business because everyone loves a good war. Yeah, and nobody's gonna fuck with an arms dealer. No. They got guns. They got a lot of guns. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're literally <laughs> providing guns to people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they and got more guns br- than you. Yeah, and you don't want to burn that bridge. Their guns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, they'll probably just buy more guns with some of that money. Yeah. Anyhow, um, the committee deployed a lot of the same tactics as like the British military. They kind of modeled it off of like what Britain was doing with this um, intelligence committee that they had. Right. Mm -hmm. So they'd put up posters like there's literally one poster where it says Britain wants you. And it looks like I don't know. I, I forget who's on the cover of it. It's probably Winston Churchill. But it shows the guy just staring out there and like the big words are Britain and you and it's trying to get people to enlist in the British Army. Right. But it reminded me so much of like the Vietnam campaign where Uncle Sam wants you. He's very aggressive <laughs> yeah. about it. Right. It, yeah, it had pointing same... at me. Yeah, exactly. It, I don't think they were pointing. I'll have to find it. But I don't think they were pointing in the British one. But it was just <laughs> kind of funny to see because it's like, wow, that is largely reminiscent of what was happening over in Britain. Like. Yeah, just wild. So um, I'm just glad history doesn't repeat itself. <laughs> oh, we're going to get there. It does, <laughs> but we're going to get there. 
So, um, so they put up posters. They were making films portraying America in a positive light. I picture like a Team America World Police that actually went really well. I there were a couple movies that they were talking about, and I'm like, I've never heard of any of these. But you know, also like not really into like movies from like 1914, 1918 either. Um, and they also, uh, as you might have guessed, uh, got into a little bit of news censorship where if the news was talking about how maybe America shouldn't be involved in the war. Nope. That shit's going right out the window. America will <laughs> do what America wants and we're going to stomp on the, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. It's our right to do what we want, whether it <sighs> to be help a war or not help a war. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing unethical about that. We just want yeah. money. I mean, you know, freedom. Um, yeah. And I'm glad, uh, <laughs> We never, we were never on the fence in joining a war. No, no America loves a good war. Yeah, well, we certainly didn't sit this one out for three years and then join in the last year when we found out that Germany probably wasn't winning the war. <laughs> and it definitely didn't. Was it because we got you know bombed? Yeah, yeah, definitely but, not that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be there. There yeah. was no, yeah, that had nothing to do with whether or not we were going to join World War Two. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And we were going to join anyway, but like we were just kind of dragging our feet. And then we we're like, all right, fine, we'll go now since you know, right. we just bombed our harbor. Right, That's right, right. That's not cool, guys. No, we were just not chilling. At all. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, so there was a lot of like this big anti German hysteria that was kind of like spreading like wildfire wildfire all over here in the u.s right and daily newspapers were publishing any and all this information that they could that was coming over that transcontinental media line from overseas right mm -hmm. and they'd oftentimes take those stories that the british people were being like oh there were babies on bayonets and they'd make them like 10 times worse it'd be like there was a guy who was doing that and they had a high score count and there were three babies <laughs> on one bayonet like oh my gosh yeah I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that specific example is true, but you, you get the idea that they were exaggerating right. an exaggeration. Um, yeah. So the, the war ends in 1918, right? Which is like a year after we ended, entered set colloquial chat. Um, Germany lost, by the way. Oh, I, good. I that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were doing but that heard, baby bayonet thing, so I'm glad they yeah. lost. <laughs> but I heard they were awesome. <laughs> I heard they're really good at it, but I'm glad yeah. that they, uh, that they lost because of, of that thing. Right, you know, right. sometimes you shouldn't be <laughs> really good at something. Yeah, yeah. Like, they got a high score of four, I heard. <laughs> but, so anyhow, in 1920, this book comes out, right? Um, it's called How We Advertised America. The first telling of the amazing story of the Committee on Public Information that carried the gospel of Americanism to every corner of the globe, which... It's not exactly the catchiest title, right? Mm -hmm. But it gained a lot of traction and exposed that a lot of the stories that we were spreading over here, particularly that the media was mm -hmm. spreading, yeah, they never really happened. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, so, crap. So the yeah. news was wrong. Yeah, yeah. They were, and they were just like gobbling this stuff up. Like as oh, soon as a story would come from overseas, right? It was just kind of spectacular because it's like, they'd be like, well, we got to get that to go to the evening print tonight. Like it's like no fact checking or anything like that. I mean, how could they? You know, right. Just, you know, but it's like, come on, guys. So, anyhow, um, there were other news sources that were kind of exposing this committee on public information who, they were kind of just like putting it out there and just watching them just gobble it up. And they're like, okay, we're just going to keep doing this. This is really helpful for America's financial situation. And we got so many troops now. Mm. Right. So, but it left a really bad taste in a lot of Americans mouths about, um, about our country's propaganda and the news coverage that we were throwing out there during world war one. Right. Yeah. And it directly led to like the committee of public information being shut down by Congress. Like they had all these records and stuff and they're like, Nope, not even going to archive that. We're just going to burn it and pretend it didn't happen. Like <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So eventually radio starts to become popular over here. And I uh -oh. think that's where we can, uh, pick it up at next week. Stay oh, tuned for part two, everybody. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that was good. That's a good story. Yeah. I'm glad. It's really I'm about glad, America. Uh... Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. 
I'm glad the news has always been like um, great and ethical and unbiased and Nothing. And I'm really happy that like what we're teaching in schools, by the way, like really goes over like these situations where we were like, yeah, we fucked up because I always hear these stories about how America fucked up. I remember them in high school. Don't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, uh, I don't really I only hear about like a couple of things where I'm like, ooh, maybe America should not have done that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the propaganda is high in uh and what what we get taught i mean it makes it makes america sound really great but maybe maybe that's just <laughs> probably propaganda. not as great as germany yeah, yeah. probably <laughs> i heard germany's great yeah <laughs> i mean i'm sure germany's great now so mm -hmm. they seem to have chilled out after world war ii but that's likely well up until like the 1980s but that's a conversation for another day Gorbachev yeah. finally tore down that wall yeah or maybe part yeah. two of this episode. Yeah, so maybe we'll get there. Actually, yeah. it does go a little bit into the Cold War. So yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, then you can listen to our other episodes wherever you found this episode. Also, if you feel like supporting the channel, you can tell your friends and check out our Patreon. Uh, what else? That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Do we have time for a moment from our sponsor? Uh, you know, there might be something popping up at the end of this. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uncle Sam wants you. <laughs> oh, it's probably not the sponsor we're going to get, is it? Maybe. Uh, fingers crossed, homeboy. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that said, I'm Ryan. And I'm Aaron. And... Oh.